This is a Solitaire Media original podcast. Hello, welcome to the Galway podcast. This is Fender Jackson. Last week we talked with James Gallagher about his work with the Dubliners Experience, a band that plays music that is more of a heritage than anything, arguably. James sounds very much like Luke Kelly. Any music that you hear here that would have been by Luke Kelly is actually James singing, except for Luke's rendition of For What Died the Sons of Roshi, which I found on the web somewhere. Everything else is actually James singing. See if you can tell the difference. Okay, let's go straight to that conversation. Band, wrap it up. This is the Galway Podcast. So how do you go about stringing up a tour? Uh, well, a solo tour, I'll, I'll, I'll start first with a solo tour. I seen this guy, he was a street performer in Galway. And he said, I'm going away to do it. He was a street performing uh, magician or something like that there. Very good lad. And he, he said, follow me. We'll, we'll join up on Facebook and, and we'll keep in touch, which we did. Um, and so I've seen this fella in Venice. I've seen him in this and that. I was getting envious of him. I thought, how is he? What's he doing? And I thought to myself, hold on a minute. Instead of sitting down, fuming, and well, I said, I could do that. And so I just got a load of contacts of people that said, you know, if you're ever in, you know, in this country or that country or the other country, let me know. And so I called their bluff on it. And I said, right, you know, you get me three, four nights here and I'll go over and, and do that. And that's how you do the, kind of how you do your solo for a band, it's very different because a lot of there's a lot of it's a lot harder work. We have a manager for that, and a promoter and stuff like that. Uh, so, how would you say we we're going to Holland now on on uh, the 10th of January the next year, right through to the end of February, and so your so your promoter like he'll um, how would you say. Normally, what they do in that instance, they'll they'll fly you over for one day, and there'll be a theatre full of people, but not ordinary people, people who own uh, theatres, either own or run theatres, and so you have fifteen minutes to go on, sing for those people, and they'll say, "I will take that act, I won't take that act, I will take that act, I won't take that act," and that's what they do. That's basically what they do, and then they book you, and then. It's, a, it's an expensive thing. Cause so got, you're performing with other acts? Oh, yeah. Well, there's yeah. many other acts. Yeah. We're not performing with them. We're performing it's, like, it's like a trade show almost. Almost like a trade fair, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so that's what that's what you do. There's other ways around it too. You can, like we've got, a, we've got promo videos. We have a website. We've, people can contact us through websites or Facebook or whatever like that there. Word of mouth too. Sometimes people, although that's not as, you know, don't use that as much anymore now because everything's uh, on the old interweb. But yeah, that's 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 basically it, and then you just string your tour together there. You try and get as get as close to your hours for the next places. It's often not the case. It's often that you could be, you could finish up, and you might have to drive for two hours to some place where you're staying, so you're two hours closer to where you are the next day or something like that. Mm. There, you know. And so, how many tours will you do next year? Do you envisage? I'd say maybe two or no, I'd say maybe three, maybe I'd say three, maybe yeah. And all in Europe or Europe? Oh, all all in all in Europe. I've no des- I've no desire to go to the. To, um, to, I I like it around Europe. I've no desire to go to the United States yet. Anyway, wait till the wallet opens. Well, well, wait, wait till we see. Where do we see? Because it's. I mean, it's not that I've absolutely had a lot of people from America not there that like to hear the music. It's just it's very difficult to get a visa. Mm. It's extremely difficult to get. Um, but if you had somebody looking after that and putting up with well, you see, it still comes out to the money. Mm. The person looking after it's not going to pay for it, like mm-hmm. so. That that's the problem. But um, and to go to a place like the United States, you, you'd be talking a very long tour to make it pay. Mm-hmm. There'd be no point in going over for a week. You'd have to be there for maybe two months, two and a half months, mm. which is a long time away from home. Yeah. The one go, yeah, you know, 
It's just very hard to get everybody to do that. But they're, you know. So in terms of copyright for the material, mm -hmm. how, how does that work? How do you mean? So, uh, uh, oh, yes. Well, a lot of us tried arrangement. Ah, a lot okay. of us traditional music. Right. So, but things like Town of Love So Well, Phil Coulter would have to get a, a pay for, or a, a royalty for that. No, I have, I have better than that. I have his permission. Oh. Yeah, I sung the song from a couple of times. Uh-huh. Uh, I was actually chatting to him about two or three weeks ago. And how was that? Very nice, yeah. He's a great, great old lad altogether. He's 80 odd years of age. He's like a, he's like a 20 year old walking around. He's really, really alert and fit, like a yeah. shock. Like he's a man half his age, really. You know. As a dairy man, you know, I, I, I look mm. at I look at him and I think I think Van Morrison called him cool filter. Mm. <laughs> but Phil's a very very uh, I find him a very very nice guy. And has he said anything to very you? straight to the point, you know? Yeah. In what way? Well I, I remember a good few years back we were playing a song together and we were playing in a, in a mutual friend's house and he was up at the piano. And I was standing behind, beside the piano with my banjo, just picking away. And I think it was a song he wrote. I think it was, a, was it, was oh, it, I can't remember what the song it was. Whatever song, it wasn't the town of Love So Well that I know. Mm. So I was plucking and picking away and he was mm. playing away and he kind of stopped. He said, no, 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 not like that. No, no, it's good. You know, it's just it's very like, it was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, but we weren't, it wasn't for, it was only for a bit of fun and, and mm. but it's still, it's not, there's a way to do it. Mm, yeah. And that's the right way. Yeah. I remember we were auditioning for him one time because putting with the pirates to put a band together and he was going to do something with it. And the first thing he said to me, like, we're wondering what to sing him. You know, I said, Will you sing Rag and Road or Think Beneath? He just smiled and he said, What about a Phil Coulter song? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he's a good sense of humour like that, you know. Yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. Yeah. And has he said, said anything to you about your uh, likeness for Luke Kelly? Uh, yeah. What's he said? He's not wanted to to take compliments, and he's not want to give them. Uh, so, like he, you, you know, he'd be a bit more telling you what you could be doing wrong than, than, than yeah. right, but not in a bad way. Yeah, to improvement. Way, like, just, yeah, just yeah. you know that that, particularly when it comes to to his to his own mm -hmm. his own songs, which are which of course are very dear to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're iconic songs, really, when you think about it. You know, particularly the town love so well, scar not simplicity, of course. Beautiful so song. Absolutely yeah. beautiful song. Mm -hmm. So, so. He, so, so there he's he's every right to be. Uh, mm -hmm. to be, to be have you recorded with him? No, I've not recorded with him. No, not, not yet. With him. Not not yet. But um, I don't know. I don't know how that would manifest itself. I don't know how that would come around unless he did a new song or or, mm. or maybe or maybe I don't know. You never know. Yeah, the life is a very strange thing. I know. Yeah. You, you don't know where you'd, you 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 end up. So here's a guy who's just bubbled up. The you know in your life and. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know how we, we serendipitously landed upon him in, as a conversational topic. Who mm. else, what other encounters have you had that you think that's pretty monumental? Um, I remember going to a concert, and a small concert, and seeing Peggy Seeger, which is a real treat. And I got to play her banjo, not in front of her audience, but at the start playing the banjo. And, um, I don't, and I was singing along with her from the audience and she was like, oh yeah, cause, but um, I mean, she's a very famous in the folk world and kind of an older woman and probably thought, who is this ginger nuisance in, in the crowd? Like, you know, I mean, she'd, you know, whatever, like, because uh, I was always a, a fan of her brother's Pete Seeger. Now that's the person I wish I, wish I had met now, but never got the chance to. <laughs>
I don't want to be name dropping now. Together. Go, please do. I don't Come want on, to be. I'd Come rather on. not be name dropping because uh, it's. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. Go on. So it's uh, just me listening. It's not I know, but you have a listener out there too. Hello. But, uh, no, I've, I've met I've met a few people who who have. I, I think some of the people that have inspired me singing wise aren't famous singers at all. Yeah, name some of them. Oh, I can. There's one fellow I've no absolutely no shame in naming who's. Uh, he was a fellow that got me into, got me to want to sing in bars and stuff in the first place. An old friend of mine, Paddy Cullen, from Cary Garrett, probably one of the greatest, um, one of the, one of the finest singers I've ever 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 heard. From Donegal? Oh, from a place called Cary Garrett in Donegal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. If it was not for him, I don't think I would have followed this into really and truly. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have. Yeah. So he 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 was really a really good singer. Um. But 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 often too, I find when let's say we finish a show, particularly in Ireland, and you you're staying there the night, say you're staying there in the town, and you go down to the local bar, and somebody there seen you and said, "Oh, there's," you know, and then about half one in the morning or half to whatever, it's this old guy or this woman or a man sits in the bar and is singing this lovely voice, like you know, where's that person been? But I've seen so much of that. I've seen so much of that. You know, you could go to a town and just, that's what I say. Like I always say some of the greatest singers have never been heard. I think some of the greatest singers have never been heard. Either nobody's recognised them or they don't want the hassle. Mm. I think so. Uh, whenever you say that, I'm thinking of Jerry Mahoney. Jerry, oh, I knew Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, uh, Jerry gave me a guitar one time. Um, a Spanish guitar. Uh, I don't st- I don't have it still unfortunately. But uh Jerry used to always get me to sing a song for Ireland for him. And he'd come in we used to do a a, a gig every Saturday night in the Crane. I think we started it was half past six to half past eight. And sometimes Jerry would come in, not all the time. And he'd have the banjo and guitar, so he'd take the guitar off me and he might stand up on the seat. And start singing, and that lovely old voice he had, and a, a lovely soft way of picking a guitar. Like he of the whole place, you know, you you could hear a pin drop, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I've fairly good memories of of, of Jerry. Yeah. But he's a, he's an example of somebody who could have been. Oh, huge. of course, of course, of course. But but so, some people, not everybody is built for that as well. Mm. Not everyone is built to go and sing in front of hundreds of people. Not everybody is. Not everybody can handle that. And I even think the people that can handle it are kind of kidding themselves as well. Like, you know, because it's, when you think of it, it's, it's, it's not a default human position. I mean, the one thing you want as a person is, in nature is you want the least amount of things staring at you as possible. You want them, in fact, to be looking in the opposite direction. You don't want all eyes to be on you. 
So there's something there's well, something badly. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm thinking of the peacock, for example. Yeah. Well, well perhaps the peacock, but certainly <laughs> not the human being. Like when the saber tooth tiger was eyeing him yeah, up when he was in the gate, he didn't want anybody staring, staring at him. Or the tribe down the hill when there's like sixteen heads looking over the rock, like you know that's 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 so. I, I don't think for human beings. I don't. I don't think yeah. it's. Um, I think it's. I think it's uh, not a talent, but a character flaw. To be honest, with you, I think. It's a, so let's go on to the streets with yourself. You're yep. a busker, and yes. How do you? How 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 do you? How do you busk? <laughs> how do you busk? <laughs> I mean, so obviously you put the tin down all the yep. rest. What I'm thinking about in Ireland is the mm. weather. So how on earth do you get by with the weather? You have to dodge the showers. As simple as that. You just have to dodge the showers. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge. So what happens? So the rain starts and you're. Player, you're, you're, are, are you, you sheltered? You, you stop. So you're you stop, and then you wait for the shower to, to hope that the shower goes away. And you've lost your space then, or what? No, happens? no, you just stand in your space, but just kick, close up the instrument and, and, and wait for the wait for the. But others, other in, in that instance, other buskers are fairly understanding. Like they say, well, it's shower rain. Like there's nothing they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's that's not that's that's not really. I mean too much of an issue so i'm 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 going really into your world here and forgive me if some no. of these questions no no no, no. Seem, seem right. so how does the busking spots work i can really only speak for galway okay let's talk about so it. it's first come first serve you arrive on your spot or pitch whatever you want to call it and you generally do about two hours i only ever do two hours because I, I think when you're singing, that's all the human voice should be able to. It's only, you shouldn't put any more pressure on yourself after two hours. I think it's not a bad thing to sing into three and four hours. I could do it, but I, the next day, do you know what I mean? It's too, it's not good for your voice. You can hurt your voice without knowing you're hurting your voice. So you do your two hours and then somebody else will walk along and say, you know, what time are you finished at? And you'll say, well, I'm finished at that amount of time. And they'll say, well, can I have it after you? And if nobody's has asked has previously asked you, then then it's, yeah, sure, I'll see you then. So if that's person A and then person B comes along, you just say, well, person oh, A. he asked me, so, okay. or she asked me, so you can ask them. Okay. You, you just ask them and, and that, that on it goes. Like. Yeah. So there's not much uh, to it. There's, there's no, um, I don't, I can't speak much for Dublin because I, I've played a lot in Dublin, but I've never busked much in Dublin. And believe it or not, never did very well there. Busking wise, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I did. I just uh, that's that's just what we do. Just kind of. I used to busk and um, I found in in England, and I found that Liverpool was was the most generous, and London was the most tight. Well, we were playing in Birmingham, and this year, and a theatre, and 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 there was people were jumping up and down the aisles, and they were having a great time. We were having a great time. But when we went down to London, people were very conservative. They had their arms folded and they were nodding away. And there wasn't much reaction coming from the crowd. But when we'd finished and came down to see them and chat to them, they were like, oh, that was a brilliant show. We had a really good time. And we're like, did you? But it's just, I think it's just as more, they're more conservative. It's a weird, it's a weird vibe. You know, it's weird. I mean, I lived there for 15 years and Mm. being somebody who experiences art you know rather mm. than produces art um there's so much of it so oh, that's yeah. that's why you can walk past a busker and not give him much time of day because there's so many of them mm. um and then ha- having performed in london mm. uh, you, you do find that you, you kind of almost need to break down a lot of barriers to get through to people you know um sometimes physically you're, you're climbing into the audience and grabbing people <laughs> to <laughs> unfold their arms <laughs> literally yeah well every 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 audience especially if you're traveling around every audience can be different and a song or two songs that might go down well one night never expect them to go around well the second night because they might they might but they mightn't mm-hmm. so you have to be prepared for that it's not it's not always going to be you say oh well just because they like that in that town mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're going to like it there and if you sing a, a kind of a suggestive song to the crowd in Birmingham they're going to love it if you sing it down Canterbury they mightn't 
You know, oh, Canterbury's awful. Come on, everybody knows that. I love it. I thought it was really nice. <laughs> no, I, joking, I was around, joking. <laughs> I went around. I we we walked around um, when we were there. We walked around the, the cathedral. The cathedral, yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, you know, and and the town itself. It actually looked like a good town for busking. Yeah, yeah. You know, all, the, all the cobbled streets, and mm. it was ah, it was just, just delightful. Really, it was. I can't can't wait to go back there. So back to busking in Galway. Have mm. you ever come to Galway and been ready to busk and you couldn't get a spot? And does that happen? Um, it does happen uh, rarely to me because I always be there early. early in the morning, try and be there for everybody else. Because for me, it's a full-time job. Music is a full-time job. I don't have any, any other source of income. You're, you're often there before half eight. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so I, 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 I try to be there before everyone I normally am. But has it happened? Yes, it has happened in the past, but rare, it's rare, too rare to even mention, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just kind of have the one spot across from Easton's, and that's that's where I play mostly all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that photograph of you and William was, was, sent, oh, yes, was yes. sent to me. So that's, that's the office. That's my yeah, office now. Yeah, yeah. That's my office now. How long, how long I'll keep doing that, I don't know. The shows seem to be taking over a lot more now, so it, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be able to to keep up with, with our new uh, brave new world of cashless society and that there so mm. so there's very little chance to have you got a QR code printed no 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 would, would you enter well you should entertain that I don't know I don't know I see the younger buskers having taps it, and stuff you need it man you know this is the way the world's moving no I think it's time I think it's time for time maybe for me to retire the street before I start doing that yeah <laughs> I just keep doing my shows <laughs> Do you have a grandparent that you never met? Do you wonder what they were like? What type of life did they have? What type of person were they? How did they laugh? Both of my grandfathers had passed before I was born. So in 2006, when there was no signs of my children arriving anytime soon, I video interviewed both my parents. I asked them about their lives, the holidays they had, their parents, their grandparents. How did they meet? What did they do and what were they like? Where's their final resting place? Some time elapsed, my children did come along, and then my mother passed on, and yeah, sure I miss her, but I still have a video of her telling me about her life story. Now I video interview other people's older relatives as a present for their loved ones. If you want me to capture your special memories, Please get in touch at saltfulmedia.com. Thanks. This is the Galway Podcast. I know from conversations with you in the past that mm. you've done a lot of research on the Dubliners. Quite, well, as much as any fan yeah. would. So tell me some things about them that, how did they come into existence? And then tell me uh, some things that, that a lot of people won't know. Well, that's well known that I don't think a lot of people won't know much about them. Um, how they came together, I believe, now it might be people screaming at this podcast in years to come, I think it was Ronnie Drew was singing, I think it was in between a plays in the Gate Theatre, I think. And I think they started, they started then, I think, playing sessions in O'Donoghue's pub and then but it was Barney I think initially it was Barney and, and Ronnie so they were singing songs just singing songs playing tunes yeah. in between yeah. that there and I think as a story the story goes anyway No, I'm, I'm being kind of all over the place here but um, Barney it was either Barney or Ronnie asked him in O'Donoghue's pub could they play a, a tune one night and the fellow that owned the place, I don't know who it was, I said, look, you can as long as you just keep it down. Because tunes were only played out in the countryside. The people in the city didn't want to hear them. I don't think it was much of a thing, really, you know. Mm. And then eventually uh, Luke started dropping in and they started playing songs together. It became more regular. And Kieran Burke and John Sheehan then, I think, was, might have been the last. I'm not sure. Now, I could be wrong. You can, you can mm. say that. I'm not sure. But anyway, they all came together and they were just asked to play in bigger and bigger and bigger places and and grew from grew from there. I, I really liked um, 
people do tell me a lot of stories about about Luke. And what I took from it is Luke was a fairly thoughtful, serious type of a character. Not to say that he wasn't didn't like a bit of crack, but from what I gather, I can only I'm only giving you second or third hand from what I heard. Uh, Ronnie, I believe, was fairly cantankerous, but he had a good, real good sense of humour. Ronnie was. I, I remember a story somebody told me once about Ronnie that he was he was apparently he was supposed to be off the drink for a while. He was he had stopped drinking, and someone came into the bar and seen him drinking and said, "Ah, oh, you're supposed to be." not drinking Ronnie says I am he says but occasionally I have a gin and tonic to help me mind my own business <laughs> you know so he was very quick with the, with the quotes like you know what I mean I don't have many stories about uh, uh, that, that about Luke as such you know and you think I would but I have loads of stories but a lot of them are, are, are the typical you know when we were in Canterbury there there was friends of Luke Kelly that knew him when he stayed with him and that there and they said he would he was very sore on himself he ate very little and, and smoked a lot and drank a lot and and read a lot he was an avid reader as well he was very he was, he was um, he could have actually somebody said I believe he could have went to college or something like that there he was very into, he was very political he was very socially socialist really or communist thing you know well, what died the sons of Roshim was it fame? For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it fame? For what flowed Ireland's blood and rivers that began when Brian chased the Dane? And it did not cease, nor has not ceased, with the brave sons of sixteen. For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it fame? For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it greed? For what died the sons of Roshim? Was it greed? Was it greed that drove Wolf Tone to a martyr's death in a cell of cold, wet stone? Will German, French, or Dutch inscribe the epitaph of Emmet? When we've sold enough of Ireland to be but strangers in it, for what died the sons of Roshim? Was it greed? To whom do we owe our allegiance today? To whom do we owe our allegiance today? To those brave men who fought and died that Roshim lived again with pride. Her sons at home to work and sing, her youth to dance and make her valleys ring, or the faceless men who for Mark and the dollar, betrayer to the highest bidder, to whom do we owe our allegiance today? For what suffer our patriots today? For what suffer our patriots today? They have a language problem, so they say. How to write no trespass must grieve their heartful sore. We got rid of one strange language. Now we're faced with many, many more. For what suffer our patriots today? There's the socialist worker in that mm. there. You think, you think he was even selling a communist magazine once or, or paper, or newspapers from that there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would have been a big fan of Pete Seeger who did all those, you know, that kind of thing. So myself and myself don't really... I'd say if we met up, we might agree in songs, but probably not politics because I'm, I'm kind of fairly apolitical. I don't really follow any one political party that I have no interest in it at all. I don't think entertainers should. I think a lot of entertainers nowadays are saying, oh, you should vote for this, you should do that, and you should do that. And like, You're ostracising. Yeah, but they're ostracising people. Yeah. That's, you know. So I don't, I wouldn't really, I, I, I play, I do a lot of, I do like doing as many charity shows and events like that there. And if I can help people out anyway, I will. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, I don't like to get involved with political parties and stuff. Tell me how he passed, Luke Kelly, because, um, it, it, well, I, I don't know the full story. I know it was a brain hemorrhage, but um, hmm. was it in England as well? But um, yeah. I think the final illness he had was in, um, they were touring, they were touring Germany, they were in Mannheim. 
and he took another turn. He would. He used well, to take, what do you mean another turn? He used to take seizures. Oh. He took seizures to the problem in his brain, and he. So was it a tumor uh, or a hemorrhage? Yeah, tumor, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And he, if he came back to Dublin. And he spent Christmas, I think, at home or something like that there. And then he went back into the hospital and he died, died in the January mm. 1984. And that was usually a very young man. He was 43. Mm-hmm. When you think about it now, like it's, you know, when you first hear about it, like when, you, when, you're, when you're 16 or 17, you think 43 is ancient, like. Mm-hmm. But, but now, like 43 to me. Somebody, if I see somebody at 50 now, I think that's a young man, like a young mm. woman. Like, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? It's just Thanks. weird, like how, 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 how your perception changes. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was 16, I thought someone of, I thought some of the 27 was ancient. Yeah. Or 29, I thought, geez, these people are old. Like, yeah. you know. And also to look at his voice and knowing that he, a lot of the recorded stuff is probably in his 30s, I'm guessing. Oh, they, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff, yeah. Well, he, they, this. It's it's very hard to the last song he recorded was uh, I think it was the song for Ireland mm. on, on thing I know he did the last televised song the last song I think was song for Ireland and his voice is very very good in that um, he seemed to be a man that n- no matter how unwell he was again he, not knowing that much but he seemed to be able to keep his voice in good fettle now if you hear a young recording of him it's like young version of the Bonnie Shoals of Herring or something like that there blow your mind like you know very high but he always seemed to he always seemed to retain it, that whatever it was he had mm. it, was, it was good you know it was natural to him you know some some people can keep their voice uh, and I think folks singers as well I think it, it takes a while for your voice to mature mm. you said earlier about like the Dubliners and their and their music and all the rest it mm. is their heritage I, I see Luke Kelly's voice. I, I whenever I hear it, I I see mm. Irish landscapes. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, like it's just so vast. Yeah, so wide. It's like when some people in a they say of Johnny Cash in America, like when they when he was singing, they thought it sounded like that's what the Grand Canyon would sound like. If it could speak like. So I suppose uh, as much as Johnny Cash was like that, I suppose for us. It's got to be Luke Kelly. I'm not taken away from like there's we'd some wonderful singers. We'd Al O'Donnell, but I knew he was a great, great singer, lovely singer. You had um, uh, Ronnie was had had captured a certain amount of a certain amount of that, and then if you go over then to the like of Dolores Kane and that there, which is an absolutely amazing voice, you know. And so we've all diff, you know, there's. I think everybody adds adds a little bit into it. Did you ever see Ronnie Drew? No, I met his son Phelan. Uh-huh. He he comes came down. He he did acting, and uh, was an actor acting. <laughs> he was <laughs> he, he 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 would come down to the town hall from time to time, and we'd see him on the. I believe he's singing now. Actually, uh-huh. I think he's a bit anyway. Uh-huh. So I met I met him. I, I saw Ronnie Drew perform on stage just before the undertones. All right, oh, that's a that's a combination. Yeah, that was uh, St Patrick's Day in London. Oh yeah, uh, about two thousand and two or three years around that time. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, he was he was hammered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah they they, they yeah they, they, but the, that was that was that generation I think. Yeah, because. Um, I know the the rock and roll scene in that there there was drugs and stuff, but in the folk scene it was just booze and as much as you could get. Mm-hmm. It still is like that. Folk music, uh, thankfully now, it's not as much like that anymore. Uh-huh. We still like a party, like, but there's no falling on stage or anything. How, how do you balance that? Do, I mean, do, are you strict to yourself with the amount of stuff that you? Oh, take the, alcohol. Yeah, I have to be. I have to be. Um, I won't ever go on to a stage with a with a with any any drink in me at all. Really? No, no, not a drink. So that that day, since that day, whenever AG, whenever you played at his house, and then oh, well, that was a much younger then. But I mean, the stage, like when you when you're going on stage and people are paying twenty eight euro or whatever as a ticket, and you can't be walk for, for flailing on the stage, like. Yeah. And but uh, my band policy is I won't, I can't let them on. We have one fella who 
kind of medicinally needs maybe two pints before he goes on. That's all it is. For nerves. For nerves, but I, I don't get nerves, so I don't. Some of the other lads don't. I'd actually be more nervous if I had a drink, you know, because I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be more susceptible to making a mistake. I'd be losing control of what I'm actually trying to do. But make no mistake afterwards, it's, it's, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll make up for it. <laughs> I can guarantee you that we'll make up for it. I love the story of Nile Rogers, you know, the guitarist mm. producer. He uh, heard a recording of himself playing mm-hmm. and he thought, you know, he, he, he'd had a few drinks and, mm. and obviously he thought he was good at the time. He listened to it. Oh. And went, oh my God, that's awful. And he was so ashamed of himself that he stopped yeah. drinking. It, it happened to me a different way. I remember going to see this band who shall remain nameless. Good bunch of guys. And I went to see them play. And they arrived on smashed. Absolutely smashed. And I was there and I said, Jesus, that's terrible. And then I thought to myself, hold on a minute. That's me. That's that's what I'm doing. And I could see the people around them that come to see them were just disappointed. And I thought, like, I can't, I couldn't, you can't let, people down like that you know it's all right back in the day when they seen Jim Morrison lying on the stage and and that there but I, I, I don't know I don't know it, it, it wouldn't, it's not not for me I, I, I absolutely enjoy a good drink absolutely enjoy a good drink it's one of my favourite things to do uh, but but I, I couldn't I couldn't have it that you know, because yeah. especially when you're doing a show, when you're doing a show our size, size as well, there's a lot of people are paying a lot of money and investing a lot of money in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with the accommodation, flights, posters, radio, uh, renting out of venues, and and everybody down to the staff who are working in the venue are are kind of relying on that. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's a lot there's a lot riding on it. Mm-hmm. So it's a big difference in going down playing at a birthday party or, or something like that there or, or, you know, I mean, if you ask me tonight to sit down and if you had a birthday party and we'll sit down and I'll happily take out the banjo and sing a couple of songs and have a drink with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but if, when you ask me to go and do something else, like, I, I no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it far. I enjoy singing far more just with the, when, as, well, if you see me in Shop Street with my signature Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I saw Nirvana and you know mm. it's a bit of a claim to fame but mm. but whenever I tell people you know I saw Nirvana they're like wow that's amazing and then I tell it them it would be amazing it is amazing mm. well it would be amazing you said it correctly mm. because I then follow it up by saying and they were awful you know Kurt Cobain I think played within five days of the gig in Belfast in mm. Kings Hall and he fell asleep this is in um, in Amsterdam. And he fell asleep on stage. And then the management came out and said, oh, he's narcoleptic. And then we were thinking, uh, is narcoleptic, is that anything to heroin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, a lot of the greats did do it. Mm-hmm. Amy Winehouse, for example, yeah. who is probably the greatest singer of our generation, in my opinion. I, I thought she Agreed. Said, yeah, I, I saw her singer. with Prince, actually. Yeah, to, to, of my generation, or your, I, I, I don't male or female or whatever or whatever they are I, I I I'd have to take my hat off to her so much so oh, oh I don't I don't I don't think and I and I really am I'm, I'm counting on every genre of music here now yeah. that I can think of I don't think there's been a star like that or will be a star like that for quite a while mm-hmm. um, I mean the th- reason being if you're six years of age and you listen to you think she's brilliant if you're 66 years of age and you listen to her, you still think she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's scope, like. We only said goodbye with words
Nina Simone comes to mind as well. Of course, yeah. Well, but in terms of like a, as a comparison for anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nina Simone, I suppose. Yeah, but that's that's. I'm I'm only on a bit of a generation. Like yeah, she yeah, yeah. Been, Obviously, been before, but mm-hmm. Nina Simone, yeah, she's an absolutely wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of those good singers like Nina Simone and like um, Amy. Uh, well, well, not well, but I'm on a bit American ones. Like yeah, a lot of those. Um, what's the name of the that singer was shot? I can never think of his name. He was a great singer. Was, uh, an Mar- African American singer. Marvin Gaye. Well, well, a lot of them, a lot of them came from spirituals mm. singing in churches. Mm-hmm. That's where they came from. That's that kind yeah. of soul. Yeah, that's where they got it from. Yeah, it's from, like, from childhood. Yeah, from 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 childhood. Just that they were brought up with it. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like that kind of a soulful, uh-huh. you know, from that background. James, I got two more questions. Absolutely. Number one. What's my bank number? <laughs> a que- a question What's your bank code? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can have it. <laughs> why did Luke Kelly play a five-string banjo? Because Pete Seeger played a five-string banjo and Pete Seeger was one of his heroes. And in order to do singing, to sing with a five-string banjo, it's, it's like a guitar and a banjo almost combined where you can play a tune in it or you can sing with it. It's for, it, it, the the banjo became big in the folk revival of the nineteen er, late nineteen fifties early nineteen sixties. Pete Seeger was at the forefront of that, along with Alan Lomax and all the rest of them. And it was a five string banjo, uh, the long neck five string banjo in particular. That the the five string banjo has has been was imported from uh, West Africa when the first uh, slaves came across the continent. They brought the the five string banjo with them. Uh, and I think banjo, the, the name banjo means uh, it's an it's an African or whatever part of Africa. It's the name for papyrus, which is what a banjo was made out of. And the old first old banjos when they were in America made out of gourd, and they were fretless. And so the five string banjo had been around for a long time, but in nineteen forty seven, uh, Pete Seeger added three extra frets onto his banjo, the long neck banjo, and in the sixties. There's probably attics in America and all across England now, full of of those old long neck banjos, because that's everyone. The, everybody wanted to be a, a Pete Seeger, so that that was that's why Luke definitely why Luke picked up the five string banjo. Incidentally, he is the same man that inspired Billy Connolly to pick up the five string banjo too. Well, Luke Kelly inspired Billy Connolly, or Pete well, Seeger did. Pete, Pete Seeger did. Right. Yeah. Wow. So Pete Seeger went watched. Um, or Billy Connolly watched Pete Seeger rather yeah. played a concert and he said, "I sat down to learn the banjo." And he, he's a he's a pretty hot banjo player, Billy Connolly. Oh, very good, absolutely, yeah. really, really good. Yeah, I think in his early shows he played he played it all the, all the time. Yeah, and the comedy was in between. Yeah, it was kind of but yeah, he just the comedy took over. Mm. I think he said in an interview one time when he was reading in the paper in an airplane that he was a comedian. He was like, "Am I?" I went down Cribble Creek, see what the boys there had to drink. I got drunk, fell against the wall. Old corn liquor was the cause of it all. I'm going down Cribble Creek, go and run. Go down Cribble Creek, have a little fun. Old bridges up to my knees, go down Cribble Creek as I please. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, comedians that were musicians. I mean, you have um, Steve Martin so mm. played played a five string banjo. He was uh, and, and a comedian and actor too. Yeah. Like and a very good banjo player too. Exceptional banjo player. Yeah, he's very good at, at, at two or three different styles, I believe. It's just so there's something comic about playing the banjo, maybe. Well, there is. I suppose you can make it funny, like yeah, there is too. Yeah, it could be something comical. I mean, you could use a lot of uh, suggest. Yeah, I suppose you could be. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my final question then. What what what's in store for your future, James? Short term, medium term, whatever you want, whatever way you want to answer. Oh, I don't know. I could be dead tomorrow. Sure, I don't know what what could be in the future. Um, what's in the future? Well, if uh, if we're spared. I would say uh, the touring is going to keep going anyway. I'd say the busking is going to come to an end now, maybe in the next five or six months. 
because as I say, it's very hard to sustain it or maintain it. In what way? Well, the cashless society, I say, like the lack of cash and stuff they got there, and also because the the touring is starting to become more frequent, and I like to be inside in the in the, in the, the heat. <laughs> I don't like to be out. It's okay now. It's getting a bit colder now, but come December, January, or whatever the case may be, like it's it's you know the fingers seize up. Mm. So, uh, so yeah. That that that's that to say. I'm not saying that because I won't miss it. Because I think I would. And when I say give it up, it's probably not completely. I probably do an odd Saturday now and again. I wouldn't be completely, completely. But not at, you know, not at the amount of times I'm doing it at the moment. Because I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, um, I'm getting stiff in all the wrong joints and places and stuff like that. There and starting to seize up, slowly but surely. Uh-huh. So you're gonna do less with the busking. Going to do more, more of the touring. Yeah, more of the touring, more more inside the uh, work. Yeah, and and do you see yourself writing, recording mate- original material in the future? Yeah, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. I'd, I'd like, I'd like uh, if I had something to say, if if it if it was something that that I f- that I felt that was any good, that that was worth doing it. Mm-hmm. If I have any any doubt at all, it, it's going straight into the waste paper basket or the top drawer. The top drawer, yeah, and you clean out that drawer. <laughs> Put the fire on this evening and clean out that drawer. Right. Oh, well, Gilgogget. Very, very little. I have trouble speaking English. I, me too. I, I have, I, I, I have a little bit, a little bit of Irish. I can actually understand it yeah. to a point being spoken, uh-huh. but having the confidence to speak it back, I think language can be a confidence thing too. Like you know, yeah. And and I think it's much easier when you're if you're like a teenager or, or something picking up a language. I think it's very hard to entertain information when you get a bit older, like trying to. And I was never good with. I was never never good with languages. I just, mm. I, I just couldn't. It just flew above my head. My father says to learn a language, you need the, the talent, mm. the the skill and mm. the commitment of a two year old. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, well, I think any language is like a French or something like that. There, you, you need to be in the country. Mm. You need to be speaking it all the time. Yeah, you, you know, you do. You know, I had this friend. He was a Croatian guy, very nice man, and he had awful trouble communicating during the day. You know, we'd be chatting away, and he would have very little uh, English. Was very bad. But when he went in and got a couple of pints, he was blabbing away in English flat out. Once, once, whatever chemical hit his brain, the confidence, the confidence grew and grew and grew. But then the next morning, like, he was saying, do you remember what you said? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just went away again, you know what I mean? Rinsey Jarmant. Yeah, just, it's funny now. Okay, James, well, I, I say that because uh, I want to say, go to meal in my yogurt. Fast your oath. Yeah, I really enjoyed today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers. I'm I saw her first and knew That her dark hair would weave a snare That I might one day rue I saw the danger and I Along the enchanted way And I said, let breathe Be a fallen leaf At the dawning of the day On Grafton Street In November we tread lightly along the ledge of the deep ravine where can be seen the worth of passion's pledge the queen of hearts still making turns. And I not a 
making hay. No, I love too much, where by such, by such is happiness thrown away. I gave her gifts of the mind. That known to the artists who have known the true God of sound and stone, and word and tint without sin, I gave for poems. Say with her own name there and her own dark hair like clouds over fields of May on a quiet street where old ghosts meet. I see. So hardly My reason Must love That I had Loved Not as I should A creature Made The play When the aim The play he lose his wings at the dawn day. This has been a Solitaire Media original podcast and production.